text this afternoon from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. I'll read verses 46 and 47, Acts 2, 46 and 47. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What we find here in the second chapter of Acts is an exciting time for the early church. God was no doubt on the move. The Lord was working in a very marked, a very, we could say, palpable way. The Holy Spirit moved very freely amongst the people of God. The Holy Spirit was not restrained. It didn't seem. And it was, we can find in this account, very clear to all of the people. In fact, saved and unsaved. In verse 43, it says of Acts chapter 2, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So we do get the sense that the Holy Spirit was unhindered. God was at liberty to work. In fact, as that verse says, he was capturing every heart, every soul. It was not the, the greatness of the apostles. It was not the power of the apostles. It wasn't their wisdom. It was not their eloquence. They were simply Holy Ghost filled people of God in perfect unity, in perfect harmony. It was the power of the Holy Spirit working in a group of people that had singleness of heart, oneness of heart. And that's what created the early church culture. Unity. There were no barriers, no limitations, no restraints, no hindrances. And, you know, as preachers, we are admonished to preach what God gave you. In chapter 2, verse 46, and it says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. We find this over and over in Acts chapter 2. That phrase for one accord means they had one spirit or they had one passion, they had one desire. In, in verse 44, it says, we're declaring what God's Word says. It says, and all that believed were together and had all things common. This was the culture of the church. That word for common means, uh, it speaks of a union, a togetherness, a companionship amongst the people within the heart. In verse 42, again, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Well, if we look at that word for fellowship, it means uh, they had a particular partnership. Again, speaking of that bond, speaking of that oneness, they shared the same goal. And in verse 46 of our text, it says they had singleness of heart. I looked up that word. It's 
It's interesting. That means a special union or even smoothness of relationship between each other amongst the people. Well, how did they get here? How was it that God could work like this for the people? You know, it started because of a prayer meeting. Started because of an altar service. In fact, we could say, young people, it wasn't because of a Bible study. It wasn't because of a concert. It wasn't because of an apologetics discourse. Not even a teaching. All of these might lay the groundwork for a desire to pray, but ultimately, if we want to see God work, we must pray. If we want to see the Holy Spirit move like we want Him to move, it comes by way of an altar service. There is no substitute for God to work. If we want to see the Lord work like He did here in Acts chapter 2 for the apostles, the early church, like He did that we've been taught around this organization in 1906, or we've even heard of revivals such as 1948, we still hear testified about, or maybe the 1970s revival, the early 80s, or like we saw the Lord work for so many of us in 2001, it will be a prayer meeting. It will be an altar service. And as we were taught this morning, it comes by way of unity, oneness of heart, being in one of card, accord, excuse me, togetherness, singleness of heart. There is no substitute for holiness. When a group of holy people pray, God works. When God doesn't work, it's never the Lord's fault. God always honors his promises. It's guaranteed, it's written in God's Word for time and for eternity. We must look at ourselves. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says these, speaking, of course, of what's referred to in verse 15, about 120, they all continued with one accord, doing what? It says, in prayer and supplication. That was the key. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, once again it says they were all with one accord in one place. All means every one of them. All of the group was in unity. All of the group was in harmony. All of the group had oneness of heart. All of the group had singleness of heart. Pentecost was a very special day for them. There were three festivals throughout the year that according to the old law they were challenged to make their way to Jerusalem if they were able-bodied. The other two being unleavened bread, which is the week of Passover. And of course, the third one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the prophet Zechariah tells us during the millennial reign that will yet to be fulfilled. So at this time, there may have been one to two million visitors at Jerusalem. It was a very exciting time for the people 50 days from first fruits. In fact, in verse 5 of Acts chapter 2, it says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem's devout men out of every nation under heaven. All nations under heaven were represented here. Some believe maybe that was 70 nations, but they were all here. And as they descended on Jerusalem, trying to fulfill the old law, there was a group of believers 
in, in a, what we refer to as an upper, upper room. They were a holiness group with singleness of heart. They had the same goal. They wanted to glorify God. They wanted to do His will. And God always enters a prayer meeting where there is complete and entire surrender. And the Bible says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Talk about a prayer meeting. We've been in prayer meetings where we've seen God work. Yes. And, and somebody was saved there, sanctified or filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine where 100%, everybody in the room, everybody in the room has that singleness of heart, that unity, that desire where the Spirit fills everyone. We need God to raise up Holy Ghost filled young people. We need God to fill up fill and raise up Holy Ghost-filled Sunday school teachers. We need Holy Ghost-filled music directors. Holy Ghost-filled soloists and musicians. Ushers that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Van drivers that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Youth camp counselors that are Holy Ghost-filled. We need Holy Ghost-filled restaurant workers. Security workers. We need Holy Ghost filled ministers and preachers. We need Holy Ghost filled young people that would evangelize and bring people in. This gospel is not just for us that are here. This gospel is to go out and bring people in. Says in verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Bible lists in verses 9 through 11, 15 nations or places. And they knew that those that were praying there having this time of prayer, that they were from Galilee, so they were confused. They said, are they drunk? Because it was early in the day and, and Peter clarified that they soon found out, as Peter explained to them what had happened, that this was predicted exactly in God's Word. In fact, we see that the Apostle Peter, he tells them, this was referenced by the prophet Joel many days, many years actually before. And then as he goes on, he explains Peter, as he stands there, he explains to them their heritage, the Jewish heritage. And we've been explained our heritage in this great work many times. He goes on, Peter, he tells of prophecy predicting the last days, a future time where there would be a latter rain, a future time where we would be right up against the rapture of the church. And we believe we were in those days right now, those final hours of the church. But ultimately, he preaches a sermon on repentance and deliverance. In fact, it says, after he preaches of repentance and deliverance in verse 40, he says to the people, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Well, young people, look around at our generation. That word untoward literally means warped, perverse, or crooked generation. The Apostle Paul, speaking of 
what the world would look like just before the Antichrist comes on to the scene and to the church at Thessalonica said in 2 Thessalonians 2.11, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And this will ultimately happen after the rapture of the church, but the groundwork which we've heard about earlier this camp meeting has already been laid. Everything is in place now. And so we see that deception is already at work. Young people, gender liquidity is a lie. Same-sex marriage is a lie. Anything other than human life in the womb of a mother is a lie. Evolution rather than creation is a lie. You know, sinning Christians with no victory, no new life in Christ, it's a lie. But how do we respond to these issues? We respond with the love of Christ. How will they know that you are my disciples? Indeed, if you have love one for another. And so we want to show those that believe these things. Christ loves you. Christ died for you. Christ offers deliverance. We must save ourselves from this untoward generation. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise that we believe, that we hold fast to, that many of us have experienced is for you today. In verse 39, he says, for the promises unto you and to your children. That's you and me and to all that are afar off. That's all of us, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God has called you, so the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. I don't care what your background is, how you've been raised. God will save you, sanctify you, and fill you with the Holy Ghost. I believe God wants to do that this afternoon. I believe God wants to do a work for Young people today. So how do we get to that place of oneness, of unity, of singleness of heart? I mentioned to another pastor this afternoon that after the message this morning that what was on my heart was essentially the same message. And he said, well, you know, unity starts with me. So I'm talking about me. You need to talk about you. I can't speak on behalf of you. But you know, it takes some soul searching. It takes honesty. It takes asking for forgiveness. Who do you need to ask for forgiveness? Who do you need to forgive even if they don't ask for forgiveness? You know, whenever the Spirit of God really works and... and there is what we could call revival. A lot of repentance happens. I believe there's some here that need to repent. Maybe you're claiming salvation, but you don't have that peace of God in your heart. That takes honesty. honesty. That takes openness. That takes takes, uh, confessing with your mouth. 
and doing that openly, publicly to the Lord. And God will make things right in your heart. We want to see a situation where God's spirit is not hindered, where the Holy Ghost can move without hindrance, a prayer meeting. Well, I wondered when that 120 met in the upper room, how many of that 120 came saved? Some of them probably weren't saved. By the time they made it there, they learned they needed to be saved. We don't know. We don't have all the details. But somewhere along the along the way, they were holy. They were in perfect unity, in harmony, in singleness of heart. And when the Holy Spirit came, there was no hindrance. The power of God fell. God has not changed. God will do it for you. It's a guarantee from God. God will answer your prayer this afternoon. What do you need from the Lord? I believe that Christ would like to save this afternoon. I believe that if you take a step out right now, the enemy would come along and give you all the reasons why you can't be honest. But God is calling. The spirit of God is moving. He's tapping you on your shoulder. He's adjuring you to come to the altar to pray. Tell your friend, your parent, whoever it may be, pray for me. I need to be saved. God will save you today. You can point back to this date, July 2nd, that Christ did it for you. God will sanctify you. He will fill you with the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's come forward and pray and expect victories to be won.